fruit in my life. Amen. If you're a guest, we want to welcome you here today. Um, I just want to, to say thank you for being here. You could be anywhere. We're glad you're here. And God is a God of hospitality. And so my belief and my prayer, I, I don't know where this came, but years ago I just started praying that anytime we have a guest here, whether it's your first time, second, third, that God would give you a double blessing, that he would do something that's on your prayer list that you forgot about. Like we all have our prayer list, things that we care about, things that we bring to him. And a lot of the things that go to the top of that list are the most urgent things, right? Or the, the biggest problems going on right now, the biggest fires. And sometimes the things we need most drop on the bottom of that list because it's not an emergency. But God knows that we need it. And so we forget to pray about it. We forget to ask him for it. I'm asking God to do one of those things for you today. One of those things that just dropped down the list for no fault, no reason. It just did. But I ask that the Lord would, would fulfill his purpose for you today. He'll answer your prayer. The prayer you no longer pray would be answered. In Jesus' name, amen. So Wednesday nights, we have House of Prayer here. Thank you for those that have been coming. It's, it's wonderful. We're growing into a prayer house. Um, when you look five years into the future, Fire Life will not look like a gather on Sunday morning only church. It will be a house of prayer. In other words... The weird thing that we do will be the worship between 1030 and noon because everything else we do will be prayer and worship all through the week. This will be strange. He said he would make us a house of prayer for all nations. So if you could look five years into the future, that's what fire life will look like. Seven days a week, God's presence will be here. People will be crying out and praying to him and ministering to him because this is his house. And we're first ministers unto the Lord. And we've become ministers to one another first, and that's not how he wanted it. It's first minister unto the Lord. And if we minister unto the Lord properly, then we know what to give to other people. It's to him first. All is for his glory. Would you say that? All is for his glory. And so we're becoming a house of prayer for all nations. The nations are going to be here. <laughs> all you from another country say amen really loud. Amen. The nations are going to be here. It's going to look so different. Uh, so that's going on. I do want to say, so for Christmas, my sister-in-law gave us these cool hats, right? I don't know if you can really see it or not, but it, it's a, a leather uh, uh, a thing on the front, and it says Fire Life. So if you want one of those hats, just sign up. That's all. It, it's what it costs for it. We're not making any money on this. We're not trying to, to have a non, have nonprofit profit organization, right? So anyway, if you want one of these hats, people have asked when we've been wearing them. It was a Christmas gift from family, and they're like, where'd you get that hat? I'm like, well... Uh, sister-in-law made it for us, but if you want us, we'll just, we'll sell them. So if you want one, let us know, sign up. Um, this Friday and Saturday is uh, Sozo Basic Training, so thank you for those that signed up. Uh, we'll be training for that. Again, those that aren't unable to take off work and miss and, and child care and all that stuff, we will have another training soon that will be a virtual training with the people that do um, the Sozo. And for those that don't know, Sozo is just inner healing ministry. The goal of it is is to get people to connect to God, to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Because most people have a hard time with that. For whatever we, we either think we're unworthy or we don't know the right words to say. And all that stuff's fake. That doesn't mean anything. All God needs is for us to turn to him, right? He says, if you turn to me, return. That's what repentance is. It's turning to the Lord. So Sozo ministry is, is something we want to equip this house with so that we can help people to reconnect to God. Um, why is this important? I want to take a second for this because some people had a really bad earthly father. And so what we do is we put God's face on our earthly father. And we think God is like him. 
If our father was cold or distant, sometimes we have a hard time connecting to God because we think he's like our father. He doesn't care. He's got too much stuff going on. My stuff doesn't matter to him. And so what Sozo does, it comes in, it breaks down that lie that says that God is distant, far away, or a stone. But God's a living personal presence. So Sozo heals that. Some people have a hard time connecting with Jesus. He's the easiest one to connect with when you think about the Trinity. Like Jesus is like our friend, our brother. He's fun. He's, he's doing miracles and, and he's calling out, you know, injustice. Like, oh, everyone likes Jesus, right? And so that's not as hard, but some people have a hard time connecting to Jesus. Sozo breaks down the lie that says Jesus doesn't care or Jesus won't do it for you, but he'll do it for everyone else. And then some people have a hard time connecting to the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's motherly mom issues. Some of us have, have had mom issues, right? Just like some have daddy issues, mommy issues, right? It's a real thing. And it, it breaks our ability to receive what the Holy Spirit brings as a motherly side of God, right? It's the comforter, the one who teaches us, the gentle one. And so some people have a hard time connecting with the Holy Spirit. So Sozo comes in and helps people find the lie, break the lie, and then connect to God. So that's what this training's for. It's something we want to be equipped in this house to do. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to go over the vision, where we're going. I, I mentioned five years. We're going to start looking into the future and stop looking into the present and into the past. So that's the next Sunday. And then right after service, if you, if you lead or serve in any way, we just want to take 15 to 20 minutes and kind of explain where we're going and kind of what that looks like. So that's next Sunday. Sorry, I got all the announcements today. Um, we're going to take up our offering. So if you would like to give your tithes and offering in house, I do want to do the declarations though. All right. So we have buckets. Some people give online. Um, some people give in house, but, uh, Shagun did declarations just a moment ago and I want to do this as well. So if you would just say this with me. And again, if, if one of these is like where you're at right now and you really want breakthrough in that thing, just say it a little bit louder. All right. It's just like a declaration. So as we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for Prosperity of spirit, soul, and body. A wealthy mindset. Solutions to break poverty. Come on. Compassion for the poor and the rich. Radical generosity. Creative ideas to cultivate wealth. A desire. Come on. That's the one that gets me. Amen. We're supposed to leave an inheritance for our children's children. All right. Provision, wisdom, and security from God, our Father. Debts paid off. Investments, inheritances. Favor with bosses, companies, and clients. Innovations and inventions. Amen. Jobs and better jobs. Raises and bonuses. All right. We're going to declare this. This is why we do that. I choose to agree with God concerning wealth, prosperity, and stewardship. I believe God is generous and is a good provider. I was made in his image, so I am becoming like God through Jesus. And we say amen to that. And you can give if you have it. Thank you so much. If you want to open your Bibles to James chapter 3. We've been reading James this month, and, and uh, this stood out at, to me last month. But I, want to, I kind of want to take, I've been talking about lordship, and it's been, um, you know, the last three to five weeks or so, we had the table in the middle of that. So we, we had it every other week. And then last week, the youth did such a wonderful job. Thank you, young people, again, for bringing the word. And, and it was, I love it. It's beautiful. I was like, okay, our kids serving the Lord, there's nothing greater we could ask for. Amen. Um, and so, but I want to tie up some things on the Lordship. Shagun was right on it again. If he's not in charge, then, then who is? We are or someone else is in charge. 
and it doesn't go well. So we want Jesus to be the Lord of our life. And so we talked about, I just want to do a quick review. We talked about in 1 Samuel 15, where Samuel told, told Saul what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to kill everyone, not to leave anyone around. The Amalekites were supposed to be completely and utterly destroyed. But Saul bowed to the fear of man, and they kept what they said were the best things. They kept them for themselves. And he decided, we're just going to offer this to God as an offering, as a sacrifice. Surely he will think that's a good thing. And so they kept some of the best stuff. And Samuel says, did you obey God? And Saul's like, absolutely, we obeyed God. We killed them. We destroyed them. We obeyed the word of the Lord. And Samuel's like, well, then how come I hear oxen and how come I hear cows? And he's like, oh, we decided we'd keep some of it aside and bring God this really expensive, beautiful offering. And Samuel's like, is that what God asked for? Which the answer to it was no. And so Samuel says, because you were wicked and disobeyed God, God is going to take the kingdom from you this day. And so Saul was no longer uh, under the anointing to be the king. Here, sorry, I didn't skip ahead. There we go. That's better. Lordship. So, uh, so he was like, someone better is going to take your place, someone that will obey me, someone whose heart can be turned by me. And so the scripture we read was from 1 Samuel 15 that says obedience is, why don't you all say it with me, obedience is better than sacrifice. Why don't you say it again? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Like we think we can bring God this really cool, beautiful, thoughtful gift, but if God told us to do something else, it's not beautiful to God, it's evil to God. He wants the things he asked for first. And then as we learn how to give him the things he asked for, he lets us express our worship to him through our expression of his lordship. It's like the woman who brought the perfume and anointed Jesus with it because he was her lord, because she loved him with her whole heart. She was able to express worship in an extravagant way. God never required her to do that. See, it takes both. He wants our sacrifice, but he doesn't want it to take the place of our obedience. And some of us think, well, I'll just do this more, or I'll give more, or I'll give my time, or I will do this thing, or I will do this later. And the Lord just wants us to do the thing he asks us to do. And when we get really good at that, then our expressions of worship become even more valuable and more beautiful. Amen? Amen. And so we talked about how we're in a, we're in a spiritual climate, a spiritual warfare that's fighting over lordship for our lives. And we make the mistake of thinking, well, it's not just demonic, like, it's just me. I'm the Lord of my life. And we think that, that that's okay, and it's not okay for me to be the Lord of my life. That there are the three realms. There's the earthly realm, there's the, uh, the flesh realm, and there's the demonic realm, right? The three realms that are fighting for authority with Jesus. They want the authority over our lives. And so, so we think of the demonic as this really, really, whoa, we definitely don't want the demonic, right? We don't want any witchcraft. We don't want any evil, evil stuff in our house, right? How many of you ever, like, oh, no, get that out of my house. I don't want that witchcraft or evil. Don't bring that in here, right? Because this is a temple for God. But guess what's as evil as that stuff? Pride. Rebellion. Unforgiveness. Jealousy. All these fleshly things are just as evil as the things we claim are evil. Why? Because if I have all of those things that I just named out, it's because I'm the Lord of my life. And if I'm Lord, then Jesus isn't Lord. And that's wickedness. That's evil unto the Lord. And so we're, we're dealing with this idea that we're in a world system that teaches us to be the Lord of our own life, to do our own thing. 
Amen? Are y'all okay? Y'all with me? Like everywhere we go now, do whatever feels right for you. Do what's best for you. Self-care, self-love, right? This, just, you got to learn to love yourself before you can love anyone else. And like it all, all sounds good in, in some settings, right? But the root of all of it is you do whatever you want. You be rebellious. You don't need Jesus as Lord. You don't need religion. You don't need God. You can just do this yourself. There's no moral absolutes. Who dare them tell you that this is the only way to live? How dare them say there are only two genders or whatever? Like, fighting against the wisdom of God, it's the humanistic thing. Are you all okay? All right. No, Jesus wants to be the Lord. And if he is not the Lord, then something else is taking that spot in our heart and is, is giving us wisdom. That's, let's pause there. If Jesus is not the source of our wisdom, then what is? We'll get into it in a minute. We're going to actually read it. But it's, it's earthly. It's demonic. It's, it's sensual. That's the wisdom that doesn't come from God. That's the wisdom when we have a different Lord. But Jesus wants to be our Lord. And we've been dealing with lordship. And I was thinking about this. Like, we've got to learn how to die. Like, we know that. We talk about it. Oh, yeah, we got to die. We got to crucify the flesh. But then when we actually have to put it into practice, we realize it's really hard to do. It really is. Because because here's what happens. We start to die, and then we're in the right, and someone else is in the wrong, in our opinion. And we're like, well, that's just justice. And it sounds spiritual. Oh, I'm standing on this principle because I'm right, I'm just, and they're not, and we are standing in the seat of judgment. And we're being advised from a wrong spirit. And so guess what that spirit will do? It will drive a wedge between me and that other person. It will take every opportunity to advise both parties with what looks like wisdom, but it's actually evil, sensual, and earthly. And it's all because I have not surrendered that thing unto the Lord. And so some of us, we think we can do, like I, all the time, I'm, I, we were talking on the way to church, and I was like, I just look back at all the things that I, the arrogant, stupid, foolish things I said and the hills that I died on that I thought was wisdom. And I look back and so much of it was ambition. So much of it was pride. Oh, I got to be right. I can't let that thing stay. I've got to stand up for righteousness. This is righteousness. This is self. This is, this is a, a righteous indignation. I'm right here. And so guess what will happen? The earthly, the sensual, the demonic will begin to advise me and prove that I'm right. It will build a case with what looks like wisdom, but it's not God's wisdom. And the Lord wants to know what spirit we're of. Because we can be right and still be of the wrong spirit. Like, there are situations we have in life where one party's right, the other party's wrong, whatever, whatever, doesn't matter. I'm just using, continuing with this example. But here's the deal. I can be right and still be wrong because God's goal is reconciliation. I'm just going to go for it, man. <laughs> God's goal in our families, in our relationships, in our, in our life is that we are reconciled to one another, that our hearts no matter how much we may disagree or have wounded one another, we still like, you know what? I'm still staying with you. 
I'm still going to be reconciled to you, even if it's painful, even if it's not fun, even if, even if we have a long history of baggage that we bring into this situation, we're going to stay and we're going to be, be guided by the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God says, don't run, don't hide, don't make that person an enemy, don't label that person. Y'all okay? Because God's goal is for us to be unified. God's goal is for us to be advised from his wisdom, not from earthly wisdom. And so what happens is we can be right and be of the wrong spirit. We use the example of when Jesus is walking with his disciples and he goes to Samaria and they start to curse Jesus and they rebuke him and they say, you can't come here. We don't want you around. Your kind's not welcome here. And Jesus' disciples are real frustrated and angry. They're like, Jesus, will you give us the anointing to call fire down from heaven and kill them like you did with the prophets? Because they are not treating you right. Everyone should know you're the king, and that's not how you treat the king. And what did Jesus look at them and say? You do not know what spirit you're of right now. He's like, I came into the world to save the world. I came into the world to bring salvation, to bring reconciliation. I didn't come to curse the world. And so we can get into these mindsets and we can fall into these behaviors that are triggered with wisdom from another realm. And the Lord wants us to have Jesus as the Lord so that the wisdom we operate with in our life comes from the right source, not from another source. Because the world says a lot of things that sound like wisdom, but it's not. It's actually foolishness. The kingdom's upside down. It's upside down. It says the the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world which would mean the opposite is true. The wisdom of the world is foolish to God. But there's a way God wants us to live. That's just a quick review. (laughs) And the the last thing I want to say just to to set it up as we jump into today is that we've made the mistake of thinking that the evil and the witchcraft is more dangerous than the earthly and and the flesh. But I would say that all of them are equally as evil because Jesus isn't Lord in all those scenarios. And the only thing that matters is that Jesus is Lord. Amen? So these are things that the world teaches. Now, it's amazing. This, I didn't create this. I pulled this from Canva. It's a a graphic kind of thing you can create, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. And this was actually already created. And this is literally what it said on it. If you feel good, keep going. Remember, that only you can determine the right path. This is the wisdom of the world. It's a lie. Hey, you know what's best for you. You know what's best. Keep going. If you, if you feel like this is the right direction for you, if you feel like this is the way to protect yourself, then keep going. You do you, baby. Right? Isn't that the world system? To each their own, do whatever you think is right. The Bible says that, that the, the, the world would do what was right in their own eyes. And this is a lie that the world teaches us. I didn't even have to create it. I was, gonna, I was looking for selfishness and I was like, you know, arrogance and, and, you, you know, and all these things. And I just like, and this, this thing came up and I was like, okay, that's the first lie. All right. But what's the truth? The truth is found in James. But let's just read this. Selfishness invites spirits of chaos and confusion. And the result of these spirits are bitterness, envy, and strife. So if we do what the world says, hey, keep going. If it's good for you, keep going. No one else can tell you it's wrong. Only you know what's right for you. Guess what the result of that behavior leads to? 
It invites chaos. It invites confusion. It invites bitterness, envy, and strife. James 3, verse 13. James 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good conduct and the works that he has done in the meekness of wisdom, in the humility of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfishness in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Ouch. Don't brag about it. Don't boast, oh, I have the wisdom. I have the real wisdom here. No, don't do that. Because it says here specifically, this kind of wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, it's sensual, and it's demonic. There's the source of that kind of wisdom. For where there is envy and selfishness, there's confusion in every kind of evil. Ooh. Do you know what the word jealousy and envy there means? It's an obsession to promote one's self and one's preferences or to protect oneself and one's interest at the expense of other people. The wisdom he's talking about there that is earthly, sensual, and demonic produces this kind of mentality. I just need to protect myself. I don't care about everybody else. And the result of that is confusion and chaos. Everybody okay? No, <laughs> I'm not either. Bless you. But wisdom that is from above is what? It's first pure. It has to come from the right source, which means Jesus has to be the Lord. And I have to be in submission to him to get the wisdom that comes from his source. And then once it's pure, it comes from the right source, then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's without partiality and without hypocrisy. And now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In other words, people that love peace will sow peace. People that have Jesus as the source, Jesus as the Lord, will sow peace. Now peace doesn't mean that we... Um, that we don't stand up for righteous things. It doesn't mean that, that we let all of our boundaries down and have no, have no protection of ourself. No, it, it just means that in that state, I'm not the one protecting myself. He is. Because here's the second lie that the world teaches. Again, I didn't even create this. This was on there. It, obviously, I wouldn't have created this. It's crazy looking, right? But this is straight on there. Self-care. What's it say? You have the power to protect your peace. Is that true? How many have ever tried it? It doesn't work. I don't have the power to protect my peace. Because in my mindset, peace means no conflict. Did you know that it's okay to have conflict in the kingdom? Because we're in a family. It's not okay for that conflict to cause enmity or division between the two it doesn't mean that we have to agree and everything it just means that I still want to walk with you but self-care says you have the power to protect your peace well if if I took that as truth then I would just start cutting people out of my life left and right 
Oh, you don't bring peace to my life. You don't bring peace to my life. You don't bring peace. And guess who would be left? Me. And guess what I would be sitting in the middle of? No peace. Because everywhere I go, there I am. (laughs) And I contribute to the conflict. We all like to think we're angels and we're always on the right side. But that's not possible in the kingdom. I mean, goodness, look at the apostles as they went on their missionary journeys. Paul and Peter got into it big time. So much so that they, Paul corrected him in the Bible. It's even in the Bible. There's a record of it, of Paul saying, Peter's wrong. Like, around the Jewish people, he's, he's a good Jew, and he eats only the things you're supposed to eat, and he observes the things that we're supposed to observe. But then when he's around the Gentiles, he does the other stuff, but he doesn't let both of them know that he lives that way. He's wrong. And he pointed it out straight up. There was conflict with Barnabas. There was conflict all through here. But guess what happened? They worked their stuff out, and they still served the kingdom together. So the world says, oh, man, protect your peace at all costs. It's good for us to have conflict. I know it sounds horrible. It does. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Trying to figure out how to say this. It's good for trouble to come. The Bible, Jesus said, it's good for trouble to come, but woe be the ones that brings the trouble. <laughs> so don't bring the trouble, but know that when you find yourself in conflict, it's good for you. Because guess what happens in conflict? Growth. Our blind spots are revealed. Because conflict usually circles around something I didn't see. Or was unaware of. And it's that conflict. It's that rubbing shoulders together. The iron sharpening iron. It's so good for us. But when we buy into the world system. We don't get that stuff. I mean we have to create safe places on universities. This is a free speech zone. I thought America was a free speech zone. But anyway, on campuses now, we have to create these free speech zones so that people can actually say what they really believe because our delicate whatevers can't handle it. I'm using a funny example. Like, oh, ha, 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 laugh at the Gen Zs and the the millennials. Ha, ha, look, look at us. We're worse, man. We, We just lie to each other. They can't talk to each other, ha ha, laugh at them, but we lie to each other. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Are we okay? Yeah, we're okay. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. There's nothing between us. We're okay. Like, we lie to each other because we're doing this. I'm protecting my peace. I have the power. And when we do that, oh my goodness, it's called self preservation. It's a lie. I cannot save myself. So what's the, what's the Bible say? If we try to save our own life, it is guaranteed that we will lose it. Did you know that? 
The world says you have the power to protect yourself, preserve yourself. The Bible says, no, if you try to save yourself, you will lose yourself. It's right there in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 25. You can pull up your Bible, read it. Luke 9, verse 23. Then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me. In other words, if anyone wants me to be Lord, they have to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. How many of you have ever found that to be true? All the things I tried to preserve and protect my own peace with my own power, and it blew up in my face. Because I can't do it. I am not able to be the Lord of my life. I can't do it. I am not built with the capacity to be the Lord of my life. Did you know that? All of us, it's true. He says, but whoever loses his life, in other words, who surrenders his life to me for my sake, he will save it. He will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world but forfeits his soul? And he says, what will you give in exchange for your soul? So the world tries to come in and say, protect yourself, preserve yourself, guard yourself. We call them boundaries. I'm going to get on it. Does the Bible teach us to have boundaries? Absolutely. The Bible says things that are kind of offensive. Kyle's been saying this lately, and when when he says it, it's so offensive, but it's right out of the Bible. And you know what it is? We're not supposed to cast our pearls before swine. Oh my gosh, that sounds so arrogant, right? It's just a biblical, (laughs) it's a biblical thing. Because the Bible does believe in boundaries, Jesus told them, hey, go into the town, preach the gospel. If they don't accept you, dust, the, dust your feet off and move on to the next town. And take your peace off of that house with you when you leave. Like, there are these boundaries. Boundaries. Jesus had boundaries. They would come to him and say, hey, Jesus, do a magic trick for us. And he'd be like, I'm not doing a magic trick for you. The only magic trick or sign you're going to see was the one of, of Jonah. Like, there are boundaries in the Bible, but who gets to determine what the boundaries are? Not us. I'm sorry. Like, I'm all, I believe in all of the counseling. I believe in all the stuff that's going on. But when we take it from this perspective of the self-care, the self-love, and we don't take it through Jesus Christ, through the cross, it turns into all kinds of chaos and confusion every single time. Because... Like, we can even use the Bible and it can cause problems. Like, well, you're not supposed to have any boundaries. That's not true either. Like, there are boundaries. But who's the one who knows best what boundaries I need? God does. Who's the one that knows best to teach me how to set up and protect these boundaries? God does. Are we supposed to have boundaries? Yes, absolutely. Do you have a fence around your yard? Why? Because you want to keep what you love inside of it, and you want to keep what you don't love outside of it. That's a good thing. But if we, in, in, in our relationships inside of the kingdom, think that we can just set up all these little boundaries and these little silos, some people get to come here, and some people get to come there, and, some, and we do this thing outside of the lordship of Jesus, what we're actually doing is we're inviting selfishness, envy, jealousy, chaos, confusion, and the end result will be hell on earth. Ouch. I didn't, I didn't plan to go all this direction today. 
But I, I, I feel like where we're going and what God's doing requires us to die. Like it's really important that Jesus is the Lord. Like I don't, I don't think we can say it enough. Like Jesus has to be the Lord of our life. He has to be the boss. He has to be the, the master. We have to be the servant. It's just the way it is. He has to be in charge. Let me point to a, a, a sign that shows lordship. Do I worry? Do I worry? If I worry, I'm struggling with my lordship. I know it's, it's a strong statement, but it's true. Because Jesus says, how many of you can add one hour to your life through worry? How many of you can add one cubit to your stature? How many of you can add $100,000 to your bank account? How many of you can make this thing happen? None of us can. Only he can do it. He even says, don't brag about tomorrow and say, well, I'm going to go to this town and we're going to stay there for a year and we're going to make this amount of money and we're going to sell goods and we're going to do all this stuff when we get there. He goes, don't brag and say you're going to do that. Say, if the Lord wills it. If who? The Lord, the Lord wills it. Make plans for your business. Make plans for your home. Try to get debt free. Make plans for your relationships. But run it through the Lord first. And say, Lord, is this what you want us to do? And if the Lord wills it, this is where we'll be. I should say it about in five years, Lord, if it's your will, we will be a house of prayer. I shouldn't brag and say, oh, we're going to make it a house of prayer. I, di I didn't mean it that way, but I, look, listening back, see, I'm still trying to fight through the language of this. If the Lord wills it, that's what we're going to be in five years. If we're submissive and we stay on track and we obey him, that's where we'll be in five years. Say that about your home. Say that about your business because Jesus has to be the Lord. Amen? Too much more. We'll save it for another time. Here's why the, the world has bought the lie. Take care of yourself. Do what's right for you. No one else knows what's right for you. And you can protect yourself. You can protect your peace. You have the power. The reason the world has bought that is because we believe the lie that God isn't going to take care of me. That if I don't fight for me, no one else will. That if I don't create wealth, no one else is going to hand me anything. That if I don't protect my heart, no one else is going to care about Other people don't care about me. I have to protect. So the world has bought the lie. I have to be the Lord, the Savior, the protector. I have to be the God of my life because no one, I'm an orphan. What the Lord wants to say today, we are not orphans. Jesus told his disciples, and the word is true for us. I will not leave you as orphans. Whew. Will you say that out loud? God has not left me as an orphan. Mm. And the, the solution that Jesus said is that I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send you a comforter. I will send you my Holy Spirit. 
And he will rest on you and he will comfort you and he will teach you and he will guide you. He will be the paraclete, which is the, the, the Greek word paraclete. It's the one who walks with you, the one who walks beside you. It's the dove on our shoulder. You are not alone. I am not alone. We're not parenting or figuring life out or running a business on our own with our own wisdom. We're not trying to protect our boundaries and our kids and keep them safe and all the, all the stuff we feel, are our, it's our responsibility. We're not doing these things alone. We have a father in heaven who loves us who's a good father. We have Jesus, who's a son, who, who will stick closer than a brother. And then we have the Holy Spirit, who's the one who walks with us. We are not alone in this life. And the moment we believe we're alone and we have to figure it out ourselves, then we step into this humanistic mindset. This is, I have to protect my own power. I have to protect my own peace. I have to protect my own, my own family, my, my own mind, my own mental health. Fill in the blank. And it all sounds good. Of course. Of course you should protect yourself. But Jesus said if, I, if you protect yourself, you'll lose yourself. So what is it? He has to be the protection. He has to be the fence. David says, thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. Would you say that? Lord, you are a shield about me. Ooh, he is my defender. David learned, he's like, Lord, you're my defender. He's like, how long will my enemies come after me? But you, God, defend me every single time. And guess what? David fought wars. He defended himself. But he, de he defended himself under the authority of the lordship of God so that he knew how to defend himself. And any time he stepped out of God's lordship, you saw the mistakes and the failures and the chaos that came from it. But David always came back to the Lord. David always says, creating me a clean art, O oh Lord. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Come on. He knew, okay, I can step out of this and be in my flesh and do my own thing with my own authority, or I can stay under his authority. And when I am, he's my defender. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. He's a shield about me. He's the place I run to when I need help. He's the one that will protect me. And here's the final thing I'll say. If we all have the same father, Man. And he's looking out for all of our best interest. Don't you think that if we all make him Lord, that even in conflict, that we'll do it with the other's best interest at heart? Don't you think that it's possible to live in the kingdom and even have conflict? It's fine. But when we do have conflict, the result of it is I want what's best for you because we have the same dad. We have the same father. So will you trust him? Can we trust him together? And can we make him the Lord of this house, the Lord of our home, the Lord of our lives? Jesus, we bow to you. We don't know what's best. Come on. We don't have wisdom, but you said if we lack it, we can ask you and you'll give it to us freely. Would you stand? I, I want us to pray through a couple of things, okay? I feel very strongly that, that we're locked into a specific target as a church. I mean, watch, you know, Top Gun or any of those movies when they get locked in on the on the target. It's locked in. You can release the missiles. You're locked in, right? 
I feel very strongly right now that the church is beginning to really lock in on the target for this house and for each of us. I really do. And so I feel like the Lord wants to be very jealous on how he protects and guards what's going on. I feel like this season we'll all look back and we'll have better eyes for what's going on right now. I feel like a lot of us are going through stuff and we're going through things right now and we did, not all of it makes sense. Amen? There's a lot of shifting, not just even with our own family, but in, on the earth. There's shaking and there's stuff going on everywhere. There are, there are spirits that have been sown into the, to the earth that have an antichrist, a different agenda than God's. And it's a really confusing, chaotic time. But the cure to all that chaos is making Jesus Lord. That's the cure to all of it. When Jesus is Lord, there's peace. Whew. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And so I want us to be really careful in this time. We may not understand what's going on, but let's just rest in it. Because we'll look back in a few months and be like, Lord, you were so wise. It was so painful or it was so confusing, or it was so difficult, or frustrating. Fill in whatever word you have for your season right now. We'll look back and be like, okay, you are my shepherd, and you lead me beside still waters, and you restore my soul, and you know what's best for me. And so, Lord, we come to you, and we ask you to be the Lord of our lives, the shepherd of our seasons. Jason sang it today. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you work it for good. You turn it for good, God. God, I ask. Hmm. I, I want us all to take a moment and reestablish our trust in Jesus. Like, just take a moment. And recommit your trust for him. Come on. We trust you, Jesus. You are trustworthy. <laughs> so sweet to trust you. <laughs> yeah, we say it like the hymn. Oh, for grace to trust you more, God. Trust in Jesus. <laughs> Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. <laughs> Just to know, thus says the Lord. We trust you, Jesus, yeah. If there's an area you're struggling with that trust, give it to him now. Just name it.
come on, just name that thing. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my business. I trust you with my reputation. I trust you with my destiny, my purpose, the number of days of my life. I trust you with it. I trust you with the health of my body. We release healing right now in Jesus' name. I release healing. Yep. I trust you with finance. I trust you with business. I trust you with my relationships. I trust you with my fears, my failures, my insecurities, my past, my present, my future. I trust you with those things where I've been burned where I have scars and wounds, where I have reason to not trust. I trust you with that too. I trust you with other people. I trust other people. (laughs) I trust you with defending me, with being the shield about me, the glory, the lifter of my head. I trust you with being my hiding place. I trust you with helping me set up healthy boundaries. Ooh, I trust you with conflict. Yeah, some conflict we avoid, but some, com- some conflict you want us to run at it. I trust you with knowing what to do. I trust you with the pruning process. He prunes those he loves. Come on. He disciplines those he loves. To make us more fruitful. We trust you with that, God. I trust you with my sons. I trust you with my grandkids. I trust you in our nation, God. I trust you in our school systems. Yeah, I'm naming things that I struggle in. I trust you, God, in our politics. I trust you, God, in our race relations. Jesus, we make you Lord of our lives. Well, would you just recommit yourself to him? Jesus, you're my Lord. I ask you, Jesus, to come be the Lord of my life. Capital L, Lord. You're not the co pilot. <laughs> You're in charge. Yes, sir. So, Jesus, as you are now Lord, we, we reinstate you, we recommit your lordship over our lives. We ask that you would be the source of our wisdom. Why don't you put your hands on your head? So, so many of us face decisions, future decisions. Jesus, Lord, be the source of the wisdom that we have. Be the source that guides us, that gives us wisdom, that instructs us. Send your word and instruct us, God. Whew. Send your word that says, Don't turn right, turn left. Don't turn left, turn right. This is the way, walk in it. God, we ask that you'll be the source of our wisdom, that it would not be earthly, that it would not be sensual, that it would not be demonic, but it'll be wisdom from the Spirit of God. Give us the mind of Christ. We break agreement with the lies of the enemy that say, protect yourself. You're right, or you deserve this. 
We break agreement with a liar. Satan, you are a liar. If someone lied to us hundreds and thousands of times every single day in real life, what would we do? We'd stay away from them. We wouldn't listen to a word they say. Satan is the father of lies. So we will not listen to you. We break agreement with you. We break, we turn our ear away from you. We change the channel. <laughs> the blood of Jesus has something better to say over our lives. Whew. We will deny ourselves. We will take up our cross and we will follow you, Jesus. God, I ask that you would bring a return to discipleship over this house. Ooh, that we would not be Christians, but that we would be disciples of Jesus. Y'all understand what I mean by that, I hope. Jesus, make us your disciples, followers of Christ.
eyes are on you through it all through it all it is well sing one more time let go let go my soul and trust in him the waves and winds still know come on so let go my soul and trust in him the waves and winds still know oh we gotta do it one more time come on <laughs> so let go my soul and trust in him the waves and winds <laughs> yeah sing it over your life yeah <laughs> So let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and winds still know his name. <laughs> yeah, just to, if you want prayer, we'll meet you here. But just to close, would you pray over someone close to you? Just bless them. Just bless them. Bless what God's doing in them. Let's say those, yeah, what, what you're doing, God, I bless. Anything that's not from you, God, we drive out. <laughs> we bless the work of your hands, Jesus. We bless the work of your hands. You're the master builder, God. You're the architect, and we bless the work of your hands. You are building a beautiful house, God. Ooh, a place for the dwelling of your presence. We bless what you're building. I bless what you're building, God. I bless what you're building in their family, God. I bless what you're building in them, God. I bless what you're building in their life, God. It's beautiful. We bless it. We bless you, architect. Woo. <laughs> we bless you, the author and the finisher. Ooh, the author and finisher of our faith. We bless you, Jesus. You know best. It's better your way, Jesus. <laughs> Woo. We bless the work of your hands. I can't get that phrase out of my spirit. I bless the work of your hands, Jesus. <laughs> what you build is beautiful. It's perfect. Woo. You're the potter. We're the clay. Come on. You are the potter. We're the clay. <laughs> What you're building is beautiful. We bless what you're doing at Asbury, God. What a beautiful move of God. We bless it. We bless what you're doing in India. We bless what you're doing in Nigeria. We bless what you're doing in Pakistan, God. We bless what you're doing in the underground church of China, God. We bless it. We bless what you're doing in the United States, God. It's beautiful. And we bless it. Yes. <laughs> Finish the work of your hands, God. Finish the work of your hands, God. We bless you. We bless your family. We bless the work of his hands in your family right now. If you want prayer, we'll meet here at the front. Keep praying, keep worshiping. If, if you feel like that's what you need to do, we bless you. Thank you for being here.